Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My wife was standing in the kitchen and just looked at me and immediately realized what was going on and said, you're having a stroke. I started shaking and I was, I was crying by this point because I just didn't know what was going on. And so I'm sitting there on the floor with my kids holding me up and my wife ringing the ambulance and I still remember her talking to the operator, you know, them talking her through what was happening and, you know, she was amazing. She kept me calm and comfortable while the operator spoke to her. If Caroline, my wife, hadn't been around, I, I may not be in the situation that I'm in now. The ambulance arrived, luckily, in about five or ten minutes after dispatching from the local ambulance station, which was tremendous. The paramedics quickly assessed me before they got me into the ambulance and we rushed into the Royal Hobart Hospital, which is probably about ten kilometres from here. It felt like we were flying. We were really going very quickly. It was a a very scary time in my life, but uh, again, I think the early administration of that TPA drug really probably saved me from something much, much worse. I'm lucky in the context of, you know, my cognitive situation hasn't really changed from where I was before the stroke. I have slight little memory sort of moments that come and go, but really it was the left-sided paralysis. So I had no leg movement, no arm movement. My left face had drooped and, you know, quite a lot of sort of pretty weird things going on on my left side. You know, I couldn't sit up straight. I couldn't even sit up in bed. I couldn't roll over. I had to be helped with everything. You know, no matter what the warnings, no matter how short they might last or how insignificant you think they are, find a GP or a doctor that you're comfortable with and get yourself checked out. You know, particularly, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I was 49. I was fit and healthy. I was the fittest I've ever been. I had the the VO2 fitness of a a 35-year-old. You know, I was in the best shape ever. I guess, you know, that's something... You know, you really don't want to sit on these sorts of things. If something happens that doesn't seem right, go to the doctor. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Nearly three quarters of stroke survivors in the UK have leg weakness and arm weakness. A weakness on one side of the body is often referred to as a hemiparesis. A full paralysis on one side of the body is known as hemiplegia. In this episode, we'll hear from Eddie Jager from Tasmania, who suffered a stroke at the age of 49. First and foremost, I was a very active cycle athlete, very fit, and had been since my sort of mid-30s, I guess, when I really got the cycling bug. A few of my friends were riders and was almost a, a religion for me riding, you know, whenever I could be on a bike, whether it's inside training or outside riding in the on the road or on the mountain bike or whatever, they, you know, that's what I was doing with my kids. I've got two daughters, age 10 and 13. I'm married and have been for the last 25 years. 
And so, you know, riding and athletic sort of activities, walking in the forests here, I'm a member of the local surf lifesaving club. So, you know, just fit and healthy and active as you can be in Australia. It's a beautiful place to be doing those sorts of things. So I regarded myself as pretty lucky. For work, I was a manager of an engineering group at our local electricity utility for the state here. I had about 40 or 50 engineers working for me, quite a high pressure role. And yeah, it was a job that I love. It was a Sunday. I'd been out with my daughter that morning doing some deliveries in in the car, doing a few little running around jobs for my wife, and then had been to a hardware shop. And scarily, I'd taken a photo of my daughter at that hardware shop just an hour before the stroke occurred. And, you know, we were just getting some supplies for some things we were doing at home. When I got home, I was just fixing something for my wife and uh, I was in our lounge room. And as I stood up from the floor, I just felt sort of a weird lightheaded feeling, but Felt I sort of thought nothing of it. I thought it might have been like low blood pressure. I was pretty fit. I had a low heart rate around sort of, you know, 49, 50 beats per minute resting rate. And so sometimes it does get a little bit like that. I didn't think another thing about it. So I grabbed a bag of rubbish, which I'd sort of sat at the door to take out to the bin. I walked outside. As I walked back towards the house, I felt that strange lightheaded feeling again. I looked down at my arm and it flopped down to my side. Luckily, I got up the steps and managed to fall into the back door. My wife was standing in the kitchen and just looked at me and immediately realized what was going on and said, you're having a stroke. I started shaking and I was, I was crying by this point because I just didn't know what was going on. And so I'm sitting there on the floor with my kids holding me up and my wife ringing the ambulance and I still remember her talking to the operator, you know, them talking her through what was happening and you know, she was amazing. She kept me calm and comfortable while the operator spoke to her, just guiding her about what she needed to do. So I still think that, you know, if Caroline, my wife, hadn't been around, I, I may not be in the situation that I'm in now. The ambulance arrived, luckily, in about five or 10 minutes after dispatching from the local ambulance station, which was tremendous. The paramedics quickly assessed me before they got me into the ambulance and we rushed into the Royal Hobart Hospital, which is probably about... 10 kilometres from here, it felt like we were flying. We were really going very quickly. And once we arrived, I had a, a number of scans. The stroke doctors then administered the uh, clot buster, the TPA drug to me. And strangely, all the things that had stopped working suddenly started moving again. Like I could move my arm, I could talk, I could move my leg. And I, I thought, oh, that's it then. And then the doctor said to me, just don't get used to this. It will be gone shortly. So and from that point onwards, that's where it, the story sort of really went south from there. I was then transferred into ICU. I spent a week in, in the intensive care unit and then moved to the stroke ward for continued sort of care. And once they realised I was in a pretty stable situation, I was moved to the acute rehabilitation unit at the uh, local repatriation hospital to aid in my recovery and sort of get me moving again. So it was a, a very scary time in my life. But uh, again, I think the early administration of that TPA drug really probably saved me from something much, much worse. I'm lucky in the context of, you know, my cognitive situation hasn't really changed from where I was before the stroke. I have slight little memory sort of moments that come and go, but really it was the left-sided paralysis. So I had no leg movement, no arm movement. My left face had drooped. And, you know, quite a lot of sort of pretty weird things going on on my left side. You know, I couldn't sit up straight. I couldn't even sit up in bed. I couldn't roll over. I had to be helped with everything. You know, and that, that went on for some time. So, yeah, pretty frightening time of my life. And, again, 
strangely vivid memories of that. Being conscious the whole time was, was pretty full on. Doctors believe Eddie suffered from a TIA a few weeks before his stroke. I guess the, the benefit of hindsight, isn't it, that we all you know, are experts once we know what was going on. So during COVID lockdown here in April, I was working from home as most people were, and I'd been in a meeting, a Zoom meeting, and I was just, I'd been writing some information down into my diary. I was then transcribing this and I'd stopped for a few minutes and just was, you know, referring to my diary next to me and then typing more information in. And I had a moment where I started typing and I was looking at the computer and I just couldn't figure out how to type. I couldn't move my arm and not knowing what was going on, I sort of went, whoa, what was that? I tried to call out to my wife. I couldn't speak. That that sensation lasted for about 20 seconds and then it was gone. And for me, with no lasting effects, well, so I thought. Now, doctors have told me since that that this was probably a transient ischemic attack, which is TIA, um, and the signs and responses to a TIA are very similar to a stroke, which is you know the face, the arm, the speech, and, of course, time. Now, I recognise now all those things had happened when I had this TIA, but because of COVID and, and the fact that it was gone so quickly and I'd recovered fully to the point where I actually went and rode my bike afterwards and was fine, you know, I, I just didn't really think another thing about it until about four weeks later when I find myself lying in hospital. You know, these warning signs, the, the FAST acronym for face, arm, speech and time are just so important. And I know a lot of people who have strokes don't have ones that follow that pattern, but certainly for me, that was the sign. And I didn't look at it. I didn't recognise it. You know, of all my regrets in my life, it's probably the one thing that I thought, why didn't I go to the doctor? Eddie spent three months in hospital for rehab. At the end of that time, I was actually uh, able to walk out of the hospital, which for me was a huge milestone. You know, I got to a point where I was wearing an, uh, an AFO, which is an ankle foot orthotic, and the uh, physiotherapists and doctors there had got me to the point where I could, I could walk with a, with a walking cane, and I was determined to walk out of there. I wasn't going to let this have me roll out on a wheelchair. I thought, no, I'm going to walk out of there, and I did. And yeah, I went straight home. Obviously, the first few weeks at home was pretty scary, you know, and my wife took some time off work. And during that that few weeks was my 50th birthday. So it was a birthday to remember for all the wrong reasons, really. It's normally a birthday you would celebrate as a half century. But uh, for me, it was something very different. I kind of celebrated still being alive, really. And I continue outpatient rehab with a number of physiotherapists and other things to this day. So my arm hasn't come back to life very well, but my leg is now much stronger and going well. My employer have been amazing. It's a company called TAS Networks. I've been with them for a long time as a senior employee and manager there. When this happened, obviously my wife contacted my manager and he was pretty lost for words, couldn't believe it had happened. And within two weeks, you know, he'd come in to see me and talk to me. Our HR department had also made contact and come to see me and just said, look, you don't have to worry about anything other than getting better. And I still remember, you know, that after shortly after they'd come to see me, our CEO came in to see me, which sort of tells you a lot about the organisation. He sort of echoed similar sort of sentiments, which were, you know, the main thing for you to do is get better. We'll look after everything else. We want you back at work when you're able to. And they kept checking in over that following sort of three or four months. They engaged an external physiotherapist to develop a return to work plan with me. And we are in the throes of now executing that, which is really commencing with one afternoon a week 
just being at work and sort of reintegrating back into the into the workforce, doing non-time critical activities, sort of almost like consulting type work, really reviewing documents, writing writing a few reports and things. I'm now ramping up to two days a week back in the office, which is slightly more fatiguing, but I'm finding I'm, I've actually sort of managed to break through the fatigue quite well. And I attribute the exercise program that I'm doing to, to really managing that. And it's really made a big difference to my recovery. So you know, I have a, uh, an indoor uh, bike, which I've been riding regularly. My, my physios give me a lot of exercises and that combined with the work that I've been doing with my return to work coordinator has really been fundamental in really getting me back into that into a mind frame to be ready for work but also in a in a state of fitness that you know helps me really have the endurance to manage the time that I'm there here in Australia we have a tremendous disability insurance scheme called the NDIS National Disability Insurance Scheme and for people who suffer a permanent and lifelong disability this scheme will provide funding to support you my experience here has been tremendous. So the, the occupational therapists in the hospital have put together a, an NDIS a plan for me about you know what I would need initially when I went home. And then we worked through goals of what I wanted to be able to do next, one of which was riding a, a bike, you know, getting back to work, driving a car, riding a bike. So I've managed to tick a lot of these boxes now. And as part of the funding, I was able to apply for funding for a recumbent trike. It's got two wheels at the front one wheel at the back, you pedal, you know, with your feet up in front of you. It's almost like riding a, an armchair or a, one of those little beach chairs. And this thing zips along. It's got an electric motor as well to assist. So I've managed to get it back out on the road and in the forest, riding again. I can ride with my kids, with my friends. It's just been an absolute game changer. So that's something that's happened in the last few weeks. So yes, I have managed to get back to cycling of one description. Ultimately, my aim is to get back onto a mountain bike next and I will get there. I'm working on a plan for that now. As I get stronger from riding the trike, it's really building up my leg strength to get me to that point where I will be strong enough. So in the next few months, that'll be my next challenge. Coming up, Eddie on the techniques being used to help his physical recovery. So the therapy is continuing to sort of, I think, improve over time. The Repat Hospital where I do rehab, outpatient rehab. I've recently acquired a number of sort of really cool technologies that they're starting to work with me on. The Tyro Motion System, they have all these Tyro Table, which sort of uses video and games combined with sort of motion tracking to sort of influence your movement in limbs that are somewhat frozen. So that's been a really good experience. And what inspires him to keep working on his left side? I've managed to get my driver's license back, which is tremendous. And I'm just waiting for my car to be modified so I can drive it again. But that again was another milestone. And for me, as I keep ticking these things off and make them achievable goals, you know, it continues to spur me on to, to recover. Uh, that's really been a massive thing for me is having a, you know, a list of milestones or targets to, to achieve. You know, as a target-driven person, probably wouldn't work for everybody. But, you know, if I've got something there in front of me that says this is where I want to get to, I will do everything I can to get. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Let's hear which effect of the stroke Eddie is continuing to experience. I'm dealing with basically a, a weakness in my left leg, which is gradually improving with a lot of physio. Initially, I had no leg control whatsoever. I had no strength in my hip flexors. I couldn't raise my leg. I couldn't bend it. My toes pointed down, my foot dropped, and I also had complete paralysis of my left arm. Interestingly, though, I have full feeling in both limbs, which apparently is quite unusual, and I have no pain whatsoever, which again is unusual. I have no numbness or tingling or anything like that. So I have some movement in my hand. I have very, very little movement in my shoulder. I can shrug my shoulder and I can, that's probably about it. So the arm is really a passenger a lot of the time. I can use it to support things like, you know, push down onto a table to hold something in place. I can also use my arm to hold the handlebars of my stationary training bike, which can hold my body weight up so the the triceps can operate and hold me in place. So the therapy is continuing to sort of, I think, improve over time. The Repat Hospital, where I do rehab, outpatient rehab, have recently acquired a number of sort of really cool technologies that they're starting to work with me on the tyro motion system they have all these tyro table which sort of uses video and games combined with sort of motion tracking to sort of influence your movement in limbs that are somewhat frozen so that's been a really good experience and apart from that i have no real effects i have a little bit of numbness in the corner of my mouth and slightly on my left cheek but apart from that you wouldn't really know by looking at me my face that i've i've had a stroke so it's quite unusual for it to recover like that. So that's pretty much my symptoms. You know, I'm recovering and, and changing weekly in terms of, of things getting better. So recently, you know, I do have foot drop because my T-band muscle under your shin, which is the, the, the muscle that lifts your foot up, is often a victim of damage to strokes. And in the hospital, the physios there suggested that it was unlikely that would come back to life. So recently through exercise and perseverance that has started to activate which is tremendous because ultimately if you can lift your foot you can walk without wearing a an orthotic or an afo and potentially without a cane in time so you know i'm I'm a pretty positive person and when i see these things happening i kind of think the sky's the limit really in terms of recovery in my leg my arm i really don't know and i'm not one not betting man so i sort of wouldn't put money on it but hopefully at some point it starts to get the message and and come back to life. But uh, yeah, it's something I live with daily is just the challenges around functioning with one arm and one hand. It's, it's a lot harder than you, you probably think, particularly dressing and undressing. I find that very challenging. You do get used to it after a while, but it's, it's never easy. You get good at it, but it's never an easy activity. Also, recently, I've managed to get my driver's license back, which is tremendous. And I'm just waiting for my car to be modified so I can drive it again. But that, again, was another milestone. And for me, as I keep ticking these things off and make them achievable goals, you know, it continues to spur me on to to recover. Uh, that's really been a massive thing for me is having a you know a list of milestones or targets to to achieve. You know, as a target driven person, probably wouldn't work for everybody, but you know, if I've got something there in front of me that says this is where I want to get to, I will do everything I can to get there. So that's really driven me forward in my recovery. You know, this sort of thinking of never giving up. Every day, there's something that you can be doing to, to get better. And Eddie believes you should never ignore the warning signs. 
you know, the two key things to take away from my experience are probably, you know, no matter what the warnings, no matter how short they might last or how insignificant you think they are, find a GP or a doctor that you're comfortable with and get yourself checked out, you know, particularly, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, I was 49, I was fit and healthy, I was the fittest I've ever been. I had the the VO2 fitness of a a 35-year-old, you know, I was in the best shape ever. I guess, you know, that that's something, it, you know, you really don't want to sit on these sorts of things. If something happens that doesn't seem right, go to the doctor. And I guess the other thing for me was at the time of my stroke, you know, as I said, I was in a very good state of health and fitness. And while I could spend hours questioning why this could happen to me while I was such in good shape, I think a better use of that sort of energy is to look at how being in good shape has greatly improved my rate of recovery and it will continue to do so moving forward. So, you know, for everybody, get out there, be active every day, eat well, don't take your health for granted, you know, check in, see your doctor. And in terms of of loved ones, you know, the actions of my wife probably saved my life. She had been to first aid training through her workplace, which was a school, just the week before. And I, I still can't believe, you know, that this timing was was occurring. So she had done this training about how to recognize stroke symptoms, the face, the arm, the speech, and then the time to act that week before. And, and really, again, it's, it saved my life and probably helped me recover to the point where I'm at now without any massive other issues in terms of, you know, cognitive problems or memory loss or personality changes. So understand the symptoms, the effects, and get first aid training. I think every family someone should have first aid training in every family there's no excuse really and as we get older you know these things can happen it's something we should all be doing eddie was fit and healthy before his stroke and he uses his love of cycling and regular exercise to help his physical recovery please do subscribe and rate and comment on the episode you hear to help us spread the stroke stories word and if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share please contact via our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.